Good morning. See, I didn't ask for the chair, but they know I'm old, you see, so <laughs> just that's an indication. Uh, well, we can leave it there. Can everybody see that? All right, great. Let's just leave it there. Um, is there a pen? Great. Hey, we're doing good today. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, life is an interesting journey, isn't it? You never know where it's going to lead. And you know what? There is no time stamped on your foot. So you never know when you're going to expire either, right? So it's kind of a journey. I didn't mean to bring you a downer right away. Um, but I, I, you know, last time I talked about my wife, right? Last time I talked, does anybody remember? Great. All right, one person. Um, well, today I'm going to talk about this guy right here. His name's Gabe. He's my son. I'm going to tell a couple of stories. One time we were on furlough from I forget which country, and uh, we were getting ready to go to another country. I think we were going to Guatemala that time. And I like Guatemala because I was the, always the tallest guy in the room. <laughs> Especially in the villages. Yeah, wow. So I know what Jim feels like in you. Um, so Gabe, we're on furlough, and he goes, hey, Dad, when are we leaving? I go, leaving? He goes, yeah, I want to go, go home. I go, home? He goes, yeah, we've been here in America so long, can't we just go back home? And that was the mindset of him. And my kids were always missionaries alongside us. It wasn't that mom and dad were missionaries, and we're doing our thing, and you get to just tag along and suffer alongside of us. But they all had a sense of destiny and call. And if you ask him, he's a missionary. And that's an important thing to instill in our kids. Because at some point, young people have to go from their parents' religion to a personal relationship. And if that doesn't happen, they fall away. The other thing is, is one time we, we were in our first year in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. And uh, this was a time when there was total anarchy. There was no rule of law. Um, you know, every day KGB guys were being killed in the street. There was, it was just upheaval. And all the distribution happened through Moscow. So when, there were, when Moscow left the picture and was no longer functioning, you can even get food from the fields to the market. So it was, people were starving. And so it was Christmas time. And I went everywhere trying to look for presents for the kids. Now what's weird about being there is there was no Christmas, no lights, no nothing. Nobody said Merry Christmas. They didn't even know who Santa Claus was. Yeah, see how desperate it was? Um, <laughs> and you were the only people really celebrating Christmas because atheism was the rule. All right, so I have no presents to give my kids on Christmas. And I was so sad. I looked everywhere. There was just nothing. No toys, no nothing. The, all the racks were empty. And there, if you wanted shoes, you went and said, hey, uh, could I have a pair of eights? And they go, we have tens. Could I have them in brown? We have them in black. You can either have these or the next guy will take them. 
And that's the way it was. So I came home, and I was very sad and down, and I said, kids, I don't have anything to give you for Christmas. Gabe looked up and said, that doesn't matter, Dad. We have each other. Amazing. Amazing. Every day for the first three months that we were in Kazakhstan, Gabe Gabe cried himself to sleep and begged us to take him out because he was so beat upon. And um, the other kids would beat him up and make fun of him, and he didn't know the language. But he turned that corner, learned the language, and he became one of our best evangelists and ministers. So thanks, Gabe. So the spiritual renewal in the church, there are three factors to it. If you're going to have spiritual renewal in a body or in a church, the first one that they have found, this is historical and even to this day, was the proliferation of house churches. Amazing. That was the first thing that they recognized. And then the second thing was that there was a high degree of participation of the people. Uh, we're the people, by the way. You know. And when Greg said, we're figuring things out, we are figuring things out. There's no you know, guru sitting somewhere you know, with a stomach like mine and making all these decisions. We're trying to hear what God is saying and do that. But it's us together. And so the people began to participate, and then that brings renewal, revival. And then the third thing, which is why we're on what we're doing, is is a high degree of individuals utilizing their gifts. And that they're understanding their talents and abilities and their spiritual gifts. When those are moving in the body, it grows dramatically. And not only that, revival happens. And how are we going to touch 253 or the world or the nation or region or whatever? It's not going to be by a bunch of paid staff. I mean, how many people would you have to pay? It's just unreasonable to think. So, okay, who's going to do it? We are, because we've been gifted to do it already. Now, as a, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And I love that grace. We're going to be talking about grace. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that anyone can boast. Then the next part, for we are... His workmanship. Now, this word workmanship is very interesting. What it means is someone that's a real craftsman, someone that can do intricate work. So you think of a, like a pocket watch. Has anybody ever seen the inside of a pocket watch? All right, there's all these little parts and gears, and it's so intricate, and they all have to work together in order for it to properly work. 
Well, that's what God is saying when he says, you are my workmanship. That he has intricately made you. That he has put you together and put those parts in there for a purpose and a reason. Now, the purpose and plan for a, a pocket watch is to make sure you're on time and what time it is and all that. But what is your purpose? What is your plan? What is your destiny? Because God cares about all these things. And he's already put in you those things. Because what's the next part of this verse say? It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Okay, what's my purpose then? Why did he make me? He made me to do what? Great, wow. <laughs> you guys can preach it. Uh, now, here's the neat thing which God prepared beforehand. He prepared it beforehand. It's not like all of a sudden you wake up and go, wow, where'd this come from? It's been there. It's already there. You just got to tap into it and let it go. Ministry flows out of being, out of who you are. You know, you, you, take a, you take a person and you put them in a position. Let's say pastor. But let's say the person has this strong gift of helps and compassion. And he's always out helping the homeless. He doesn't preach well. And he's got compassion for his people. But he's, always, he's like in here sweeping the floors instead of studying for a sermon. You see the mismatch that can happen to where we are supposed to be doing what he's called us to do and what he's gifted us to do. And that develops too. So God is really put in us the things that he wants to bring out for those good works. We don't have to force it. You don't go, okay, I'm an apple tree, now I'm going to make an orange. An apple tree will produce apple trees. God has made you so uniquely as a workmanship. And so as we look at gifting, if we don't get into the gift mix and if we don't understand what our destiny is, if we don't understand what he's, how he's made us uniquely and what gifts we have, then we're going to be confused and discouraged. And that's why a lot of people, they go to church for decades, and all they do is go to church. Because they have no idea of what God is doing inside them and through them. Now, the neat thing about destiny is it unravels like a scroll as you move on through it. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but... But the neat thing about it is, is that God, it isn't like suddenly you go to church and now you're compassionate. What it is, is that God is, when you were young, God put compassion in your heart. And now you can express it. 
What's the devil's job? What's the enemy's job? To make you the opposite of what God has made you to be. So if he gave you compassion, he wants you to become what? Hard-hearted. So he'll bring circumstances and other things into your life to make you hard-hearted. So you will not fulfill that which God put in your heart. Take, for instance, uh, Brother Junior back there. Brother Junior grew up in a very abusive home. And I've already asked him if I could say these things. His mom was very abusive to him. And he was eventually taken out of the home. Now, Junior reacted in some ways by becoming hard. And he would look for people he could thump on, and he wasn't a nice guy, right, Junior? Okay. I'm glad he's my friend now. Um, but if you were to go up to Junior today, or you were to sit in his home church, what would you feel? Aaron, what do you feel when you go there? Okay. Love and family. A total transformation. He's now walking in his destiny and walking in the gifting. He was originally supposed to be compassionate. And that's what redemption is, is when God takes that which was broken or ruined or pound down or destroyed or opposite, and he redeems it for now so that others can be touched. That's redemption. It's like, you know, when you get a Coke bottle in California, they charge you a nickel. Well, I used to go around and collect all the Coke bottles I could and take them back and get a whole lot of money, like a quarter. Um, <laughs> and that was like 50 pieces of candy. Um, but it's like that. God loves to redeem us. But you see, it wasn't like all of a sudden he had compassion. It was like God had already put that in his heart long ago. So if we don't know and understand God's plan for us, and if, he doesn't under, if we don't understand what he's implanted in us, then we probably won't do what he's asked us to do. We won't walk in that. And it says, actually it says, prepared in advance for us to do. In that, it actually says in the Greek, should do. In other words, there's, a, there's some, we should be doing this, but it's kind of up to us a little bit whether we're going to do that or not. So there's some of our own volition there. Service or ministering is hearing the voice of God and doing it and using the tools and gifts and abilities that he's given us to serve. Here's the thing. It's not, it's not even really about us. It's about others. And it's about serving him. You know, the word ministry is the same as the word serve. So a minister is supposed to be a servant. Somehow in our culture, we think a minister is a hierarchy and this person is being paid to do this. But no, it means we're to serve one another. It's for each other. Now, uh, in Ephesians 4.4, 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, 
just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. See, you have a calling. You have a calling. It's a good question to ask God, what's my calling? That's a good question. And you know what? Sometimes your calling adjusts a little bit, but who you are in it doesn't so much in who God has made you and the gifts he's given you. It says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts are without reproach or reclamation. What is it? Re huh? Goes without what? Without repentance. They can't be taken back. They're irrevocable. So when you get to be my age, it isn't like, you know, okay, well, I haven't used that, so I guess I don't have it. You know what? God may show you a new gift that you've had all along, but now he desires to express that through you. And the cool thing is, is if you haven't used your gifts, so what? Today forward. Because they're still there. It's not like God goes, okay, I'm taking that away. All right, I'm taking that away. All right, I'm taking that away. Because they're not using them. No, they're there. They're still there. He's decided this before the beginning of time. So he's not going to take them away. That's why it's important to ask God, what are those gifts you've given me? So that's another question. And so it says, hope of your calling. One Lord, one Lord means master, uh, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over and through all and in all. So the Father has been at work with you since before you were born. He knew you in the womb, right? Psalm 139. He knew you in the womb and began to form you and gift you there. Not only with, with innate gifts, but even spiritual gifts. And a destiny. And a plan. That's exciting. I don't know. Maybe it's not exciting to you, but that's pretty cool so that we might walk in it. He prepared beforehand. So it's not like a surprise. And so then it goes on to say, well, the fact that the Father's in all, through all, and all that, God first works in you, then he works through you. But we got to figure out what the in me is before we sometimes know what the through me is. So he wants to reveal this to us. And it's not like he wants to keep it a secret either. You know, like, well, if they do, you know, if they, if they burn this many candles to this many people, then okay, we'll give them a break and let them know what one of them are. It's not like he's this little greedy God that like wanting to hold back. God does not have withholding in his deal when it comes to what he's given to you because he's a good father. What father, if you're, you came for an egg, he would give you a stone, Jesus said. No, but you have a good father in heaven. So uh, it goes on to say, but 
To each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, what's interesting, this word gifts, and it's along with spiritual gifts, comes from the word, the root word, grace. So they're grace gifts. I hate to say it, you can't learn them, you can't learn it, and you can't earn it. Somehow you're not going to learn to be something that he's not necessarily gifted you at. And how I want to say this is like this. For instance, all of us are supposed to have compassion, right? But some of us have that extra measure of compassion and a gift of compassion which goes deeper. And so it, I can't like force myself to be like more compassionate if it's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? To be at that level. Or faith. Take faith. You can't work up a certain amount of faith. It says to the measure that you're giving. There's some people that, that just are incredible in their ability to say, yes, God, you're going to do this. And nothing that happens around me is going to say no to that. And so faith, we're all supposed to have faith, but there's some that have greater measure of faith because it's been gifted upon them. And it says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For what reason are these people existing? Now remember, these are gifts also. They're not positions. They're gifts to the body. Everywhere in the Bible, uh, New Testament, where it talks about gifts, it's going to talk about the body. So where there's a gift... It's about the body. And so he goes on and says, okay, I've given these people for one reason. Well, one of the reasons is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So these gifts are given to us so we can do those works and they help us do those works that he gave to us beforehand. See how that works? So he's given these gifts to help us fulfill God's will. Okay? And it says, and to the building up of the body of Christ. Not the creating of a hierarchy, but a building up of the body. That's why they exist. That's why we exist. Now in Romans 12, 4, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we through many form one body, and each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to what? The grace given to each of us. So what we see here is we see the Father, right? the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Now, from the Father, we get like a DNA. We get a destiny. And we get plan. And we get sovereign foundations. And we'll go into that in a second. From Jesus, he's the Lord, right? He's the head of the church. And he gives us function. He like places us. Our he gives us function. Not positions, functions. So he says, this is what part you are. And this is what part you are. And this is your function so that the body works together. So the father kind of gives us these innate abilities. Innate abilities. And the son then gives us where we're going to be placed in the body since he's, what, the head of the body. He's the head of the church. Now, it says here that he distributes those different parts, and that's because he's Lord. Lord means master. It means the right of ownership to determine how they will do, what they will do with people and resources. And that's what Jesus does. He makes those decisions within his body. And he's already made a decision about you. He's already made a decision. You have a function. The body doesn't work right if something in the body isn't functioning. Like, I don't want to walk, and I'm the foot. We will hop everywhere. So the thing is, is we need to, as a group, as a body, figure out what's my function here. You know? And that way it'll operate properly. And what's cool is he says, the ones you think are the least ones, those are the most important ones. By the way. So the thing is, is that God has given you function through Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit gives us what? Spiritual gifts. And the manifestations of spiritual gifts. And we're going to be going into that in the next week and talking about those. And that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do God's will through you. It's the power, the dunamis. What's interesting, as we talk about the Father, it, it talks about him energizing us and the Son placing us and the Holy Spirit empowering us. So this makes up what? What does this make? When we put this all together, what does that make? Does each one have a function? Does each one have like what it does? And is there unity? Let's hope so. So likewise, within us, this is what's going on. All right, so in uh, Corinthians, 
it says, therefore, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, what? Distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same. So you see, we got gifts and we've got service. Service means ministry. So Jesus is directing the ministry. The Holy Spirit is giving us the gifts through the empowerment. And then it says, but in all them, in, oh, and therefore, or there are different kinds of workings. This workings means energizing. And in energizing, most, most scholars say, this is like the Father's part of this, to energize us. To give us the destiny behind it. To give us those innate gifts to be able to do this. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same, what? God at work. So he's at work in us. For to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Why? For the what? So you can make a lot of money? Oh, I'm sorry. So you can have your name on the plaque out front? No, it's for the common good, for each other. That's what the purpose is. It isn't to build ego, because remember we just said it's all about grace. They give it to us because of grace and because of love, God's deep and intimate love for us and seeing us as his kids, right? All right, so as we look at sovereign foundations, we see that the Father has built various things within us and that there's a destiny connected to that. It says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts so that you might say, Abba, Father, which is Daddy. But the Spirit of the Son, that God directs that Spirit of the Son within us. Now, he gives us a basic life purpose and plan. He's the one that does the motivation in us. You know, has anybody had a dad that motivates you? I'm sure just about all of us have, right? So in this giving of God and this giving us innate abilities, for instance, my son-in-law is a chef for four seasons. He just developed their spring menu that got awards. He's in Denver. But what, does it, what abilities does he have? He has a very good palate. He can taste. We can go, go to a restaurant. He'll take a sauce, and he'll tell you everything in that sauce from one taste. I taste it, and it tastes all right. <laughs> he tasted it. It tastes in colors. That's an innate ability. And so then, what did he do with that innate ability? He went to the CIA. No, not that CIA. The Culinary Institute of America. 
Now you guys can't jump like that. Um, and he honed and got his abilities and took that gift from God and made it something more. And so you see, God gives us those innate gifts so that we can do things. Maybe you're an athlete like Chad, his dad was, and then he comes from a heritage from Frosty, his spiritual heritage from Anah, who her parents were believers. She was a believer. She put it into Jim, and Jim put it into Chad, and we get to get the benefit of that. That's an heritage. So I'd kind of like to run down a quick list, since we're almost out of time, of what makes up your sovereign foundations, okay? So it's not going to be as spiritual as you think. For the, one of them is, where were you born? What city? What state? What country? If you're born in the deep south, you're going to be a little bit different than a person who was born on the beaches of California. Hey, dude. Where you're born, a lot of times the fact that I was American opened up doors overseas that would not be open to a national or even to someone from another country. So there's even a destiny in where you're born, what city you were born into. If you were born here, you were born into the city of destiny, right? That's the name of it. So you, you already got a head start on everybody else, right? Okay, so we can be proud about that. It can even go down to what neighborhood. If you go to parts of LA, we lived in Echo Park for a season. And I guarantee you, you better knew which neighborhood you were in. Because if you were in the wrong neighborhood, you may not make it out of that neighborhood. Fortunately, we spoke Spanish fluently, so that wasn't so much of a problem. All right, how about your parents? And were you adopted? Can you remember somebody in the Bible who was adopted? Little basket down the river. Don't denial it. It was Moses. Moses was an adopted kid. And what did God do? He raised him clear up to the top. And then he set his peoples free. So he was adopted. All right, so then what about siblings and your birth order? Where are you? You know, they've done a lot of studies on birth orders and what your personality is going to be and all those kind of things. What was David's birth order? It was like, uh, we forgot that guy. Uh, Samuel's going, I'm here to pray for and anoint the next king and uh, the ruler of everybody. Uh, he's not here. And like he's checking his notes from God. This is Jesse's house, right? I, I am in Jesse's house, right? You're Jesse, right? Maybe it's a different Jesse. And they go, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's David. Uh, he's out shepherding somewhere. Uh, we forgot all about him. We haven't seen him in a couple months. Uh, I'll wait. Can you go drag him and bring him here? I want to check it out, see if he's the guy. They bring him, and sure enough, he gets oil poured all over him, and boom. That's a birth order. 
when they forget you. <laughs> you know, like, you have so many kids and you just number them, right? You're five, you're six. It's funny, you get more than one kid in your house and you keep calling them other names. Gabe was always upset with me. Dad, I'm not Nate. I'm not Hannah. And like I had to have to go down the list. Like Hannah, Nate, Gabe, Gabe, you're Gabe. He used to get mad at me. Now he has two kids. Guess what? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it all comes back. Um, Family background or heritage. We talked about Chad, Jim, Nora, all that. Race and languages. Wow, if you were born in a bilingual home, what a gift. You know, I had to learn it the hard way, like learn it instead of just birth it. Gabe, he was speaking fluent Russian and it was just disgusting. One day we got pulled over and so I used to always have him go talk to the police. Now, wait a second, everybody. Let me say this. They pull over people just randomly so they can get some tips from them. And I'm not talking about tips like, you know, drive safely. I'm talking about giving them money, okay? So one day I let Gabe out because, I mean, he, he had, he's, got the, he's the street kid, street lingo, right? My daughter was all proper, very articulate, high-class Russian. Him, it's like, hey, man, what's happening? So he goes up to the, to the policeman and he goes, still, which is like, so what do you want? This guy just goes berserk and goes, how dare you talk to me that way? What do you think you're doing, you know? So then he says, yeah, so, you know, my parents are back there. He goes, those are your parents? Yeah. Do they? So they come, he comes down to, back to talk to us, and we're talking in broken Russian, and he's fluent street language. And they go, uh, are you taking this ki- these kids? Because they're all speaking perfect Russian, and we're like broken English and Russian. And they didn't believe, the cop didn't believe that he was my son. We did eventually um, convince him. And uh, every time we got pulled over, I had to give him a candy bar, so I was just about broke. Um, And, you know, along with race and languages, that's very important because they can open doors that maybe other races can't, you know. And, and with languages, you can speak to others that someone else may not be able to. So those are really, those are, God set you up for that. My one son was born in Guatemala. He's uh, got dual citizenship. He can go to Iran. He can go to Cuba. But if he used his American passport, he couldn't go. But he uses his Guatemalan passport, he can go. He's only six foot two or something like that, blue-eyed, blonde hair, but he's Guatemalan. (laughs) Don't ask me. That's God's providence. You see how God is using all these things. Early influences, like that, that old guy that used to take you and let you help tinker with things because you had an innate mechanical ability. And he helped foster that, or a teacher, or something like that. All right, so then the next thing would be uh, cultural upbringing. Maybe you were brought up in a different culture, a Latin culture, you know, 
Eastern European culture, and God can use culture. Personality and temperament. God has given you a specific personality and temperament. And so he desires to use that. You know, some people are very aggressive, a little bit more, and A-type, and other people are B-types, and others are C, and some of them are millennials. Um, <laughs> forgive me, for I know not what I said. Um, physical characteristics. I'm not Chad. I would not have been quarterback of the football team at PLU because I'm a little bit inhibited in height and probably athletic ability. But you see, even your physical characteristics, God has given to you. And, and the cool thing about it is, is embrace that and love him for it. Especially when society is so bent on body image, as you can see, I don't have that problem, um, that, that we don't have to be obsessed with body image. But that God has made us the way we are. There's always room for improvement, though. Um, root values and religious upbringing. Look at Samson, John the Baptist. They were brought up under a special Nazarite code that God told them to. So your religious upbringing, God has used that to form you and who you are. Early or innate skills and all that. For instance, when you were playing, what role did you play when you were playing? Like, for instance, we always had one guy that was the leader. He went on to be a leader. My sister, which really bothered me, every time I would get hurt while we were playing guns, she would run over and nurse me. So much so, my parents bought her a little kid nurse outfit, which made it worse for me because it was quite embarrassing. Guess what she later became? Look at, look at how you were raised. Look at your innate gifts. Are you mechanical? Are you musical? You know, I, I can't tell one tone from another. It all sounds the same to me. But, but there's people here that hear tone, and they have a musical ability. That's innately given to them. You can't just suddenly one day get tone. So there's some things that God has innately put into you for his purposes that you've been created with. Is it mechanical? Are you mathematical? Are you athletic? Are you an organizer? What was it as you were growing up, people would say, oh yeah, so-and-so is like that. Begin to get back in touch with those things because that's where your sovereign foundations are. That's where God began all of this. He knew who you were going to be, where you were going to be born, who you were going to be born to, and all those kind of things. Now, let's face it, sometimes it wasn't a happy childhood. But, you know, that's where he uses those things for our benefit. Because remember, Joseph didn't have a happy Upbringing. Remember, they threw his brothers threw him in a well, and he got sent to be a slave. But what's the end of the story? What man meant for evil, God used for? 
right. God makes it right in the end, and he uses those abilities. Do you think Joseph just one day woke up and was able to store all the grain, get the prophetic words to do that, and save a nation that brought us Jesus? God knew when he got thrown in that pit, that's where his destiny was. And if he would tap into those gifts, it would bring about the release. You are no different. We are no different. Ananias was sitting home, drinking some libation and watching TV, when suddenly he hears this voice, which wasn't uncommon in that day, saying, hey, I want you to get up and go to John Street and pray for a guy named Saul there. And what's he say? No way, Jose. I'm not going. But yet, God speaks to him again, says, no, don't worry. I've got plans for this guy. And he tells him his plans for him. And that I want the Holy Spirit to come upon him and that the scales will be released from his eyes. He was a nobody. He was in his house watching TV. And God called him out to do something that changed the world. And we wouldn't have most of the Bible if it wasn't for that guy's obedience and his gifting. So God wants to use all these things. And he does use process items. Which can be various times in your life where you have to put that faith to a test. Where you have to hear the voice of God and do something. And that's called our spiritual formation. So we have our gifts here then God does spiritual formation in us. Those are process items that he takes us through in life. And he builds our faith and teaches us various things and we become someone that he has made us to be. Sometimes those process items are healing so that we can be what he's called us to be. So you are not without a destiny. You are not without a hope. You are not without a plan. You are not without a gift and gifts. You do have a function. And that's why we're going in this direction. We must tap into that and understand that. It doesn't matter what age you are, because I'll tell you something, your latter days will be greater than your former days. And there's something called convergence. Thank you. They're going to knock me off here. The hook's coming. I feel it. Convergence. That's when you are older and God uses all these experiences, all these gifts over a long period of time and the wisdom and revelation that we prayed about that he uses that all together and we have something called convergence the last 20 years of your life where you now use that for the betterment of the body. So it's never over. And you can begin that at any time. That's good. So I know that was a lot, but I would encourage you to to unpack that in your life. And, And it's so easy to get discouraged or to have your, you know, wound of a childhood to be something that you, you almost despise and you want to move on from, but you realize that we have a good father who's placed you in those areas. 
and I have to write on the whiteboard because I just can't stand looking at it without doing it. But Ken and I talked about this, how it's Father, Son, and Spirit. But what the world says is fate, right? There's not a father, it's fate, just by chance. And it's not the Son itself. We have to figure it out. And it's not the Spirit, it's our strength. Right? And it's not a gift, it's works. And so this is the battle, right? We're going to have to wrestle with this, even in our own mind, the chance of why, where you were, where you were born, doing it for ourselves, using our gifts, and trying to figure it out on our own. And I'm here to encourage you, we don't have to do that. <laughs> so the Lord's going to bring us back. There might be places of healing we got to go back to. But remind us that each of us, there's a uniqueness in each one of us. And that's why this is a unique season, is because as the body, we need you. We need your experience. We need your history. We need the natural things you've learned, and we need the assignments, and we need the, we need the spirit. We are a dependent body one to another, um, and you need what we have. And so I just want to pray for us as we close, just that this week you'll start processing this and even gain some confidence um, in who you are. And I want to share a story as I close because it's been an amazing week for us. Um, my son Reese is here, who's our oldest, and... Um, when he was born, I was a football player growing up, and, and I was really wrestling with this in my life about who are you, Chad? I thought I was a, my identity was football, and, I, and I, the Lord was like, no, I love you, and I made you. I gave you gifts. You don't know who I am. And when Reese was born, we had to choose, are we going to put, you know, um, sporting stuff in his room and call him a quarterback before he's born, or are we going to just let him be who he's supposed to be? And I remember there was a day we chose, it was... We were either going to put ball, basketballs and footballs in his room or we were going to put cars and trains in his room. And we put cars and trains in his room. And we have seen him grow to be this unique um, boy. Now he's turned into a man with all of these creative gifts. And, yeah, he likes sports a little bit, but he really could care less about most of the things. But he has this gift of art, being an artist and drawing and gifts of creativity and story. And, and there's one of his teachers here, Jenny LaRue, and and this last week, he got, like, four awards at school for, like, all of his, like, arts and abilities and all of that. And he did not get that from me. I can barely draw a stick figure, as you've seen. Um, but he, it's all in him. Why? Because the Lord has uniquely made him. And I'm just so proud to be his dad to see that come out. And I just feel like that's a picture for each one of us that we shouldn't despise even what people have told us that we're not good at. I believe there's, there's the promise. There's something that's so unique in each one of us. And, but you need the Jennies of the world to call it out of the Reese's of the world. <laughs> and we need each other to draw it out of each other. Because in your mind, you're going to play tricks with yourself. <laughs> but the Lord's going to use the body to bring it out.